The Scoop Podcast, brought to you by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, here's your host, Josh Getzoff. What's up, everybody? It has been a while, but hopefully this is the beginning of a more steady stream of Scoop Podcasts set to come your way as we flip the calendar to 2022. Happy New Year. Hope everyone's safe and healthy. I am Josh Getzoff. It's great to be back with you on here as we present to you episode 46 for your listening pleasure. This is one I've been looking to for a while to bring you here on the Scoop Podcast. As you remember, this past summer, Penguins made a few moves in an effort to bolster their roster heading into the upcoming season. There were free agent signings, some trades, and a couple training camp invites on a tryout. Now, one of those names that caught my eye immediately a 36-year-old, now 37, veteran by the name of Brian Boyle. Let's be honest, as a Penguin fan, as a hockey fan, you know the name. He's been around a while. He's had many matchups throughout his career against the Penguins. And he's now in his 14th NHL season after joining the Pens following a productive training camp. Pittsburgh's his 8th NHL organization, and it's brought about a welcome opportunity to a guy who didn't play in the league last year and is savoring every moment in the Berg. And really, when you get to know Brian's story you realize that in his mind every moment truly is precious he has dealt with some serious adversity he's dealt with cancer both in his own battle and as a witness to his father's miraculous recovery which you'll hear about and on the ice his career has lent itself to some stories to tell now fortunately for me and you Brian is incredibly gracious with his time in speaking about his on and off ice journey, even the most recent chapter in his continuing book, the crazy adventure that led him to make it to just in time for the birth of his third child, his son Callum, just a few weeks back. It's clear this is an addition and a person that you want to see win. You would love to see him raise the cup. You want to root for him. I know I am. So let's get to know the man a little more. Without further ado, here he is, Brian Boyle, in episode 46 of the Scoop Podcast. So episode 46 brings us number 11, Brian Boyle, Penguins forward. Uh, Boiler, thanks so much for taking the time. As we sit right now in the, the California sunshine, it's not a bad deal. You get a podcast, you get some vitamin D, not a bad start to your day. Yeah, definitely a nice, <laughs> uh, nice little spot to relax a little bit on um, this, this long, long road trip we have. Yeah, we're in the middle of, as we speak right now, a 13-day, six-game road trip, which uh, we'll get to in a moment, kind of is how you began your career with a member of the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah. These guys are used to these long hauls. Uh, but from you in per, uh, particular, I think I remember back to this summer, I actually can kind of remember exactly where I was when we got the news that Brian Boyle was signing a PTO. And the first thing was awesome. We know what he's all about. We remember his career. But the other side was he hadn't played last season. So can you kind of take us through those emotions for you, what they were like, uh, you know, when you – I guess the process that led up to joining the Penguins because we saw the the final dotted I's, cross T's, but yeah. there was obviously more to it in the lead-up. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of days that were – I mean, it seemed like it kind of ran into one another because of, you know, not, not much different than everybody else's – you know, scenario. Everyone was healthy back home, but we just—I mean, the year last year started out with some uh, Zoom kindergarten classes and trying <laughs> to kind of navigate that as I was waiting for uh, hopefully a, a contract offer. Um, it didn't really come. The season started a little bit later. I figured maybe I could catch on at some point, and you know, there were teams that were close, so it kept me going to the gym and kept me skating and. 
you know, the, the trade deadline came and went, um, so I wouldn't be eligible to play in, in the playoffs. And so then I kind of took a, you know, a week or two off, and I just was – it was pretty disappointing because I thought I still had more to give. And uh, the World Championships came up as an opportunity to keep playing, and uh, I more or less offered my services to USA. <laughs> uh, I knew some people that were running things. Uh, Chris Drury was the GM. I had played with him in New York. I uh, still – you know, keep in touch with him somewhat, and uh, he he allowed me to go and gave me a chance to keep playing a little bit. It was an awesome experience, and uh, it kind of led me to being able to be scouted a little bit, just being out there, being in the mix, playing real hockey games. And uh, we we had some conversations with Pitt for a while. I I was hoping it would go a little quicker than it did, but they gave me an opportunity that I was pretty thankful for. So. Just a chance was all I was looking for, and I got one, which was nice. Yeah, and you're back here in the NHL in Pittsburgh. It's kind of funny because uh, I was I was looking at your career, and I'm, I'm saying this as I sit across the table from you, and you're a big guy, but I don't think you can reach this far with what I'm about to say. I don't want to get knocked out here, but 37 years old, you got 14 years in the league, eight teams, which is almost as many siblings as you have. You're, you're kind of catching up for uh, teams and, and family members. What was that like, first of all, as we kind of dial it back? We know where you are here in the present, um, but as I counted, I know one of your brothers unfortunately passed away, but yeah. 12 brothers and sisters all together, plus you 13. Yeah. Uh, what was that like growing up in Hingham, Massachusetts? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's just what it was for me. It was, uh, you know, I'm the seventh born, and. My parents, uh, we just, you know, once every couple of years, we'd have a sit down at the kitchen table, it seemed like, and <laughs> mom and dad would say, you know, hey, great news, we're having another kid. And it was exciting, and then it was kind of like, another kid, oh boy. Um, <laughs> more diapers, more, you know, it, it just added to everyone's responsibility a little bit, uh, but it kind of, and I taught, it taught us all a lot about just kind of, what it takes to kind of keep that engine running. My, my parents really uh, obviously led the way in terms of how selfless they were and, uh, you know, affording us all the opportunities to play sports and uh, be educated and, and some, you know, and, and it's unique because of the expense that it took, uh, how they found a way to do it, I don't know. I still don't know. <laughs> Never mind the expense, but the time spent right. with all the kids. Um, it truly is a uh, a unique upbringing. I, I'm aware of that, but I'm, I'm, it's it's such a blessing to have that upbringing. The perspective it offers was, uh, you know, I think it applies to so many different things in life as you get older, as you create your own life with, you know, you go out on your own as an adult. It really has helped me, I think. Parents, uh, Artie and Judy. So as I mentioned, you had all the siblings. I thought it was interesting too. I, I think I'm doing the math right here. You got 23 years between the youngest and the yeah, oldest right yeah, now yeah. Uh, and a wide range of careers boiler I thought that was kind of interesting I mean obviously <laughs> National Hockey League player kind of sounds the coolest but I, no, I saw uh, yeah right you got a, a doctor you got a yeah. real estate uh, yeah. mogul I think yeah. that's fair to say I, I think she is now yeah. right right I mean she was doing so well with one company she got recruited to another and then she said you know what I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start my own uh, meanwhile she has eight kids <laughs> um, so it just runs in the so family she went on her own and uh, she's doing fantastic, and then um, you know we don't like to play favorites, and we don't like to, uh, you know. I, I guess no one's more important than the other in our family, but yeah, yeah. we have, uh, you know, we got my sisters in Nashville. She's singing. Um, 
I got a brother who studied five years at the Vatican. He's a priest now, so I, I think he gets uh, he gets the top spot on my parents' list of uh, most proud child. <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, it, it is a wide array. Like yeah, I said, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's impressive. I guess when you cast a net of that many kids, you're going to be spread out. It's all just over amazing the to see the different passions that we all have too. It's, that is uh, cool. Where yeah, do you think that comes amazing. from? I mean, is it your parents kind of ingrained that in you guys, or? So it's interesting, like. We, we had my dad obviously sports and, and him and I were uh, we got along great we still get along great everything kind of you know the, the world we see the world kind of the same way I would say but you know my mom was into real estate she was in a number of different things she was athletic as well and and you know it took both parents to kind of keep us going I think again like I said financially and, and just the time spent with with each uh, child but um, my sister got into real estate my oldest is a doctor we don't I mean I love my parents, and I think they're smart people to do what they've done. But, I mean, she went to MIT, my sister Jennifer, and, yeah, we don't, we don't you know. I don't She's know. got the brains. It's kind of like how I'm 6'7". She got to go to MIT. We don't really know how it all <laughs> shook out quite like that. But uh, there's so much different, you know, interest and talent uh, across the line. They've encouraged us to whatever we do, the gifts that we've been given. Um, you know, we strive to make the most of those gifts, I think. You know, you don't uh, take for granted those gifts, and that's kind of the message that we were always we always grew up with. I just find it interesting because uh, obviously your story, when you were brought to the Penguins, I've been looking forward to having this conversation because uh, there's layers to it beyond just your family dynamic. You mentioned your dad and the influence he has on you. I wonder if we could talk about that a little bit because uh, for the listeners out there that don't know, maybe you could tell the, the story better than I can off of a couple of researches of uh, some newspaper articles. But it seems like he was on death's door uh, about, what, 20 years ago and uh, some by some miracle. He's still here with us and, as you mentioned, still one of your closest uh, confidants. Yeah, he uh, he was. He was sick. And I can tell it from my perspective, just like, you know, I'm in, I'm in I think, eighth grade, ninth grade, and he's starting to kind of dwindle away to nothing. He was losing tons of weight. He was sleeping in the parking lot while I was at practice. He was trying to drive me home. One time he asked me to drive him home. We were about, you know, three, four miles from home at the rink that I grew up playing at. And, I think I was 13 or 14. He's like, you gotta, you gotta drive. It's like, Dad, I don't, I don't drive. <laughs> um, so it got scary for a little bit. And he had a uh, operation to remove a kidney, and uh, things seemed to be going great. It looked great. Uh, they thought they had gotten all the cancer out. Uh, it was renal cell carcinoma, uh, which is pretty scary cancer. It spreads really fast. And uh, about eight months later, it come back into his lungs, which is, uh, yeah, essentially like a death sentence, right? And I kind of assumed it was in his brain as well. That's usually the path it takes. And he went on a pilgrimage with my uncle and my uh, a, one of our you know closest closest family friends, the the Griffin family. So Robbie Griffin and my uncle Kevin Gill and my dad, they flew over to a place called Medjugorje, and mm-hmm. they you know had a, a spiritual healing as they'll call it. First, um, this place is a. I've been over there. It's a remarkable place, full of peace. Miracles happen over there, and they're aware of that, so they went over there in search of that. And, uh, you know, all three of them came back changed men, really. But um, what happened there was, you know, it was a miracle. It was. It's such a huge blessing that our family's thankful for, but that we got to witness. And he goes around still, and he has, has his witness talk. He speaks to the kind of the experience that he had what was going through his head as a father of 13 I think my my brother Andrew who's the youngest was I think maybe a year and a half or two years old when this all started going down yeah 
It was pretty scary. And uh, from me on down, he kind of held it from us. He protected us from it. He didn't go through chemo. He didn't lose his hair. He didn't. So we didn't. I don't think we grasped this, the seriousness of it. Sure. And he just, yeah, he came back. Was supposed to have a major surgery. They were going to open him up and take out these three nodules in his lung. And the biggest one was disappeared. And the other two were just little specks on a CAT scan. And, uh, you know, that was, I think, yeah, 20, 22 years ago. Yeah. Oh, and it's, you know, it's just, we're so happy. I mean, we're so blessed and so thankful that he's been with us. He's got yeah. to see all his, you know, his grandkids are growing up. And uh, it's just, for me, we get to get to play golf with him in the off season. I chat with him pretty much every day. And, yeah, it was, uh, we count our blessings for sure. He's, uh, he's still doing well then, I take it? Yeah, he's yeah. down in Naples right now with my oh, aunt and uncle. Actually, living in Uncle up. Kevin's there, yeah. <laughs> my mom, uh, yeah, they're just having a great time. <laughs> you mentioned being a teenager when a lot of that was happening, even preteen in the sense of being 13. I mean, I'm assuming, as you said, you, you can't necessarily totally grasp where things were at as far as how, th- how long things have progressed at that point. But um, to see your dad be essentially, as he was described, a living miracle – um, what has that done for you? I mean, maybe from a perspective standpoint, at such a young age, I know you have your battles that we'll get to in a second later on, but uh, at that moment, that had to have some kind of impact on you. Yeah, I mean, I grew up going to Catholic school. I, I grew up going to church with my family, and and like I said, me and my dad relate so well on so many things. Um, and just to see his faith kind of strengthen like it did, yeah. Um, it, it had a huge impact on me as well. I, I think being able to witness something like that, it'll. I mean, you never forget it. I've leaned on my faith, you know, a tremendous amount throughout, especially I mean, my playing career, but just through life. You know, you live life, you go through life, high school, college, you get those problems that seem so big. And, uh, you know, my faith kept me out of a lot of trouble. I think just getting, <laughs> making sure I'm waking up on Sunday and getting to church has kept me out of probably some issues that I probably would have got into on Saturday night when I was a teenager and in college but it's uh yeah it's just offered us so much it really has it's it's um I'm just so thankful and blessed that my parents raised us in the faith and and what we've gotten to witness since then is you know it's pretty newsworthy anyways and we've you know hopefully we can help some other people that might feel lost or alone uh along the way I think that's more or less what we're called to do yeah, I mean, that's that's impressive and, and honestly a healthy mindset to have and more people need to have it uh, in the grand scheme of things. But you mentioned what it's kind of set forward for you. Not too long after all that went down, I mean, a few years later, you get drafted as we sit here in L.A. by the Kings. Yeah. And, Boiler, that, that 2003 draft, I'm sure you've heard about it uh, once or twice, it was stocked. The first round yeah. was, yeah. was uh, unbelievable there. I wrote down some names just so I wouldn't forget. Obviously, Penguins fans know Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. But you had Eric Stahl, Ryan Suter, Jeff Carter, your teammate now, Dustin Brown, Dion Phaneuf, Zach Parise, Ryan Getzlaff, Brent Burns, Mike Richards, Ryan Kessler, Corey yeah. Perry, Brian Boyle. I mean... Uh, what was that like? Did, uh, in the moment, I guess it's it's kind of hard to appreciate just how much depth and talent there was in that draft. But when you look back on it, I mean, it, it's pretty impressive. It's crazy, actually. Yeah, I mean, coming out of coming out of prep school, I didn't know really any of these guys. I didn't. We just were in our own little bubble in prep school, and I'm sure none of them have heard of me because I was <laughs> playing prep school hockey in, in New England. But right. you know, y'all, everybody thinks they're the best player. I think everybody <laughs> has a little chip on their shoulder if you don't go higher, but. You look at the draft and all the names you just said, and then you go to the second round. You, you yeah, know, right. Kevin Klein, Shea Weber, Patrice Bergeron. You get guys in the seventh round still doing it, like uh, 
Joe Pavelski. <laughs> like it's it's, it's uh, it was a good year for hockey, and and um, you know I think it's 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 a proud thing to say I went in the first round in 2003. Um, something when the career's done, you can kind of look back on and and you know it's a feather in your cap, I guess. But uh, it's interesting to see how many guys have had such great careers. And it's it's also interesting when you look back. I read that. The goal for the Kings initially, because of your size, was to put you on the blue line. Uh, clearly, that was not the uh, long-term plan for you in the National Hockey League. Uh, but did I also see that that your dad recovered and now all of a sudden kind of vouching for his son? If, if you're not going to play here that much, maybe send you back east. Is that is that true? That he Did he kind of harp on Dean Lombardi to make a move yeah. here in L.A.? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I got a call from my agent at one point, and they had gone from – trying me out to start my pro career on D. Uh, after my junior year, I, I didn't really know which position I was going to, so I, I ended up going back to school my senior year and trying to win a national title and ended up playing a little bit of D my senior year, so that probably convoluted it more. <laughs> but And it was a blast, and I was fully uh, on board to try that challenge. I uh, wasn't quite ready for how difficult and the nuance of all of it Um so it was difficult, but it was, you know, it was a great challenge. And so I went back up front to Ford, and I got called up, started playing well. We got a new coach in L.A. the next year, my second year pro. And, mm-hmm. you know, he just we just didn't uh, – he didn't really like the way I was responding to him, and I didn't really understand what he was saying. We just didn't didn't fit, really. Yeah. Um, so I was up and down and back and forth. And back then it was like, you know, fly to Manchester, New Hampshire. Oh, you get called up, go back to Los Angeles. Cross country. <laughs> All right, play, you know, for a couple weeks, play – six seven eight minutes all right go back to manchester play 20 minutes three games and three nights and <laughs> coach is asking what's wrong with you i was, I, I don't know i yeah <laughs> you don't even know what time it is yeah it was difficult <laughs> but it was a good challenge to have you, you know teach you not to make excuses and, and my agent calls and says dean wants to meet with your dad i said that that's just not gonna happen like we're not gonna do that yeah he said no no i think it'll be good and I, I don't know what happened in that meeting. I don't know why that meeting took place. I didn't tell anyone about that meeting. <laughs> My dad decided he wanted to tell everyone about that meeting after the fact. <laughs> um, and he was looking out for me. Uh, and ended up the next off season, I got traded to New York. So it ended up, you know, honestly being, you know, really, really good for me. Um, and I appreciated what everything I learned from the Kings. They were patient with me, and um, you know, they. They taught me a lot of things, so I'm very thankful for those years. And then you go to New York. Kind of when you look back on your career, I think that's probably one of the areas that stands out the most. I mean, you played half your NHL games as a Ranger, your most seasons spent in Manhattan. And you also linked up with an assistant coach named Mike Sullivan when you were at the New York Rangers. Uh, What was the Mike Sullivan that you saw in that time? We'll get to the guy now, but you walk in. Obviously, we know who the head coach was at that time, but uh, what was that whole situation like, and what were your initial impressions there? Um. Yeah, I I was nervous. I because uh, I was getting older, and it was uh, kind of do or die for me. He was fantastic. Sully was, and he's not. You know, he's the same guy as he is now. But um, you know, he obviously has a different title. He's a head coach now, and but he was uh, for me. He was just he was so approachable, and he was he, he was. Uh, he was patient with me in the sense that he let me kind of vent, and then he would tell me point blank what I had to do to play. <laughs> and most of the time, it was you know the opposite of what I was telling him I wanted to do. <laughs> but he was really good with that. He really uh, he had that patience. He had that understanding of okay, you're. We grew up in the same area. We played hockey east. 
Uh, obviously, we played at different colleges. Yeah, rivals. Uh, yeah. I won't hold that against him, but <laughs> he, you know, we had, you know, the upbringing was similar, and I kind of had to figure out a way to keep myself in the league. He knew I wanted to do that, and he was really great. A lot of patience with me, but he, he really did um, sort of teach me and speak to me. Torch was a little different. He had a lot of guys to take care of, and he, he, he did it in one way, and he was great for me as well. But uh, Sully could break it down for me a little bit easier for me to understand, and it was uh, – I'm just – I mean, again, you go – you know, things happen for a reason. I was there for a reason, and sure. um, really thankful that they – kind of took the time with me gave me the career I've had does that experience with Sully when you come you know when you're looking at the opportunities presented to you this offseason does that sell Pittsburgh even more to you to know that you'd be reunited with him I yeah I mean I obviously you know like I said all those things I mean I I think he's a great he's a great human being but yeah he's obviously a fantastic coach and this is a great team so You don't need anything else, really. I mean, you got the the guys that are here, the Hall of Fame talent that have had Hall of Fame careers. Uh, what an opportunity! But right, you know, for Sully, I was excited to come back because you know he had me when I was a kid. I'm hopefully I'm a little bit different now. Hopefully I've grown up a little bit. But yeah. he's you know he's the same guy. He's he's a great communicator, and he's he's uh, look what he's done with his team. It's uh, you know, it's a it's a tremendous opportunity if you get a chance to play for the penguins yeah and he's as as you mentioned a big part of the fabric here in pittsburgh and yeah. you you know you got to first work with him in new york as we said that was a big stage in your career on and off the ice because i know you met your wife lauren yeah. when you were a member of the rangers uh you guys have had some additions since then which we'll get yeah. to in a moment but just how i, I guess you you know you say everything happens for a reason but you look back at that time you kind of revitalize your career you get to go to a stanley cup final uh you play in a lot of important games with the rangers and you expand your family in the process. So I imagine you checked a lot of boxes there personally when you were with the Blue Shirts. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I grew up there. It yeah. seemed like, um, you know, it was a great group of guys to be around that took care of one another, which was great. Uh, that city, you can get you can get caught up in it a little bit. Uh, and I think Torrance and Sully had something to do with that too. It kept us on the straight and narrow just with the <laughs> demand of practice and, and whatnot, but... Um, Geez, we had awesome times. Uh, we got to see some cool things. We played some huge games. We got to hear that crowd. Uh, you know, in that building, it was a, it was a pretty spectacular, uh, you know, time in my life. And again, like you said, I mean, one of the most important, I mean, if not the most important thing to ever happen to me, I got to meet Lauren there. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's been a, it's been a tremendous ride. Definitely was a, a big moment on a lot of fronts there in your life in uh, New York. And I do want to ask, as you kind of transition in your career, you go to Tampa Bay in free agency uh, and then the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. And I think you know where I'm going with this. But we, we talked about, obviously, your father and his bout with cancer. And you were dealt a card yourself in 2017. Uh, chronic myelogenous leukemia? Chronic myeloid. Myeloid, okay. I think they're both yeah, yeah. acceptable. So, I mean, obviously, you know. No one wants to hear that kind of a diagnosis. I do remember reading about that from a distance, and you know, there's a lot of people. You know, the hockey community. Everyone's pulling for you in yeah. that situation. But what was that whole experience like? Because it, it just happened from a routine blood test, right? That was kind of what tipped people off to it. Yeah, yeah I had uh, been feeling poorly, and it was getting worse. And I thought it might have been Lyme disease. Okay. I was playing some golf. I just didn't even. I remember not even wanting to finish like a front a front side to play. I was six seven holes in, and I just had no desire to keep playing. It was weird. Yeah, um, and it got progressively worse, but to the point where you I mean you don't wake up one day and feel 
completely horrible. It was a, it was a slow process. So mm-hmm. then I got, we just had my team, we had our team physical, and I uh, got a tap on the shoulder after we did the media part a few hours later and said, you got to come with us, we're going to the hospital. And that's when I said, oh, no, this is not good. Um, you know, a few days of waiting, which were pretty tough days, not knowing what was going on. Sure. And then we got the news, and uh, from all the information I had gotten in those few days prior, this was what we wanted it to be, believe it or not. We were at that point. It was down that road far enough where we knew it was it was leukemia. We just didn't know which kind. So, wow. you know, someone says uh, CML, and it's kind of like, oh, good, <laughs> which is that's how far down the darkness we were in. Wow. But the hardest part of that year was a few weeks later with my son, and that's because that's really all I can remember about my situation and uh, other than the fact that people were so supportive and every building I went to was amazing but yeah. every day I got home and my son was going through something that we didn't really know the whole story on yet um, and that was by far the hardest thing we've ever had to deal with how big was Lauren and all that for you and yeah I your mean family in general I yeah, guess right yeah it was uh, I don't know how she did that because she would push me out the hospital door some nights and get your plane to get to the game and you know I'd show up 5 6 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game wearing street clothes um, you know John Hines and Ray Shiro were unbelievable throughout all that um, just coming from Children's Hospital with him uh, it was tough man and she was she compartmentalizes somehow saying we, you need to do this for you know, our family, this is your career, this is how we make money, this is how we have insurance, you need to get out the door and focus and play, he's <laughs> fine, and then she would, you know, she'd have to take care of Bella, who was, you know, five, six months old at the right. time, and Declan was going through surgeries, and that lasted like two years, man, it was yeah. crazy. That is crazy. Um, it got better as it went along, but yeah, those yeah. first couple of weeks were brutal, because we, they told us it was Ewing sarcoma, and I uh, refused to believe that, and we all prayed quite a bit. Uh, moment our faith was challenged and we uh, we leaned on it heavily and then we, we, we came out the other side better for it. Declan's doing alright now? He's doing great, yeah. yeah. He's uh, he's playing hockey, he's he's buzzing around, he's watching, <laughs> I think he's probably right when he gets home he'll be watching our game from last night which I told my wife to delete uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, he loves the game he'll, he'll let me know uh, what I did wrong <laughs> And anyone who scores, he wants me to FaceTime so he can tell him, nice job. <laughs> what did he What do you think about that snipe, uh, the shorthanded goal against Philly earlier in this road trip? Yeah, no, I mean, nice goal, Dad, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> really? Hey, can I, you know, can I talk to Jari? Can I talk to Sid? Can I talk to, you know, you know, Karts had a couple. He wanted to talk to Karts the other day. Yeah. I said he's, you know, he's visiting his family. We just give him, a, we'll give him a break. Right, give him a break. That's yeah. awesome. That's that's great to have that kind of a relationship. And uh, you know, you mentioned just com- overcoming uh, leukemia yourself and how important faith and family is and all that and you you talked about the fans you talked about the reception and you know one thing that definitely jumps out to me I'm sure you remember that game in 2018 hockey fights cancer night in Pittsburgh uh, and you score a hat trick uh, with the Devils and I think you know a lot of times I was doing our post game then you know when the Penguins would lose a game you come out of the post game show the fans come in they're all kind of like you know everyone's annoyed no one wants to hear about the other team but we spent almost the entire post game show Phil Bork and I talking about you because of how cool it was uh to see that uh you know what was that like for you to to I mean I'm sure you knew it was hockey fights cancer night but to score a hat trick on it's a pretty unique thing yeah it was I mean we had it was kind of becoming a joke I had two uh, we had two in Jersey we had hockey fights cancer night 
the first it was about you know my fifth or sixth game <laughs> or something after my diagnosis and i ended up scoring on the power play right and then we played the islanders at home and i scored again and we had a couple other buildings where i'd get an assist or we have a so it started becoming that the guys would give it to me a little bit. You only score on Hockey Fights Cancer. And then I had the three, and I was just – my reaction after the third one, I just looked at, up at Kyle Palmieri and Nico Hishier, and I was just I, – I was baffled. I remember the facial expression. <laughs> I'm like, is this really happening? Because yeah. um, if you remember, I, I mean, I kind of waved at the first one. It hit my stick, goes in. At the second one, I'm standing in front hoping Kyle, who's a great shot, uh, he hits my shaft, and it, I didn't even move, and it went in. And then the third one, I was trying to pass. It was a terrible pass. It went around the boards, and Halsey passes it through like two guys right to my stick. I couldn't have missed it if right. I tried. <laughs> I said something else is going on here. Yeah. Um, you know, and if if it's a good story where people can look to it, that might be fighting the fight as well. Um, that's pretty much why I think maybe that happened. They yeah. can offer some inspiration, and um, hopefully, it helps them in their fight. Special night, no question about that for you. I got a, a couple more for you, and then we'll be all wrapped up here. But um, kind of jump forward here to Pittsburgh. Obviously, you've had a couple stops between New Jersey and coming to the Penguins, including a year away from the NHL. Um, but you've added a new member here, and I, I wanted yeah. to dive into that a little bit more. Callum was born just yeah. a couple weeks ago. Uh, first of all, you told the story a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was actually, my wife's from Sudbury. Okay. So I was back in Boston as well. Uh, and we had to, you know, come back quickly after all the games were postponed around. Around, uh, the Christmas holiday you were one of those people who had to come back to Pittsburgh yeah. but then all of a sudden you're jumping back to Boston what was that whole process like so it, what made it harder was Lauren was like again she's like she, she puts the game like at the top of the list <laughs> which is it's fantastic it's all you can ask for right um, and she says in the morning of I guess, like, all night long she's having contractions and she doesn't tell me or she's not aware of it or she won't admit to it. One of those. <laughs> and then, and then, so I'm going to the rink, and she said, I'm not feeling great. I'm going to go lay down. I said, okay. I'm, and then she calls my sister up, the doctor. Yeah. She says, Jen. And she explains all her symptoms. And she's texting me, and I'm in a meeting. And she's like, uh, Jen's going to come by. Don't worry. Uh, just go to practice. I got my Apple Watch on. I got my phone. Like, Alex Trink is holding my phone, like, on the bench. Like, this is going on for, like, a few days now. So this is when it's go time day. Like, she should have told me the night before. I would have got on a 6 a.m. Yeah, right. And she did it. My sister gets to the house. She calls me immediately. She goes, what did she tell you? I said, she said go to practice. She goes, get on a plane right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. So I'm looking for Jason's idling. I'm like, where are we going? Where are we going? Get me, get me, to the, get me a flight. Get me anything. And he's like, all right, let's start walking. And he's like trying to get something done. He gets something done. He's like, I'm driving you. Uh, you'll never be able to park. Right. So I just like I'm just showed up like this. Yeah. Uh, no, nothing. No bag. Nothing. Um, flight was delayed a little, which made me actually make the flight. I would have missed it otherwise. And uh, I get to the airport, and there's a car there, and then I take the car right to the hospital. They're trying to make me do these different things. I said, my wife's in labor. I just walked straight up. They weren't happy about that. And I expected to walk into this crazy crime scene, and it was like everything was cool. Everyone was just hanging out, chilling. And uh, the doctor pops in like a minute or two after I got there, and she goes, oh, the dad's here. All right, let's start. <laughs> and then in 11 minutes, the baby was here. And 11 I was like, minutes. 11 minutes. The Talk number. about efficiency. And the number, yes. Wow, that is that's. I walked in at three twenty-two, three thirty-three. The baby came out. 
Wow. And everyone's doing great? Everyone's doing great, yeah. 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 That is awesome. I mean, you've had you've had quite a, a few twists and turns in your life, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, uh, you it's know, fun. You know what's awesome is that I see how you are about it, and you kind of just roll with it, and you let it happen, and that makes you an easy guy to cheer for, too. <laughs> I mean, it really does. It's, well, it's kind of like there's so many things that are out of our control. Yeah. And it's now, a great so We're at the point where it's like we're, it's almost expected, so we're just going <laughs> to kind of laugh about it if you can. Yeah. Keeps you from crying sometimes when it gets Fair. really messed Fair. up. I will say this. I mean, I think that, you know, you look like a guy to me that comes in this year with something to prove, something that it seems like there's still another chapter to be written, at least on the ice for Brian Boyle. Do you feel the same way with this this team? Yeah, I, I, that's why I kept training. That's why I kept playing. I, I have uh, I have more to give. Um, I just want to win, man. I just want to, you know, even have a chance to win. It, it gets me excited. Like the playoffs, that gets me excited. So, um, you know, it's it's such a privilege to play. It really is, and and to you know, I've been on some great team with like great high character, high talented teams that have had success, and I'm so thankful for that. And this is another one of those teams where it's like I couldn't couldn't dream of this opportunity. I never thought I'd be here. Yeah. And in this organization, I'm just so thankful for it. Well, I can say there have been some guys that have come through here the last you know handful of years, been a part of some teams that have obviously gone on to do some special things. And I think a lot of people are pulling for you to be a part of the next group that does it here in Pittsburgh. I can't thank you enough for your time. Really awesome to get to speak with you a little bit more in detail. And uh, you know, congratulations on all your success. And we wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. Hope everyone continues to be well. Uh, and we'll see you on the ice soon enough. Thank you. Go Pens. you got to cheer for a guy like that, no? This Penguins team has started to get people thinking about what could be this year, and in turn, the players are starting to feel it too. I'm around these guys. I see it. I can sense the anticipation, the excitement building with seemingly every game and every win that they've piled on here going into the brand-new calendar year. Boyle's impact has only escalated that aspect. A massive thanks to Brian for his time and continued success to him and health to his family. We appreciate everyone out there giving this a listen. And as we mentioned, we're hoping to get these coming on a more regular basis. So please keep an ear out and subscribe if you haven't already. Smash that subscribe button. Loved getting to say that. Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Apple Music, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. We're everywhere. And we appreciate your ears for this one. For Brian Boyle, I'm Josh Getzoff. This has been episode 46 of the Scoop Podcast. We'll talk to you soon, everybody.